When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome back to Talk the Plank, a Pittsburgh Pirates podcast here on the Fans First Sports Network. I'm Jake Slobodnik, and we have a little bit of a change to how things have been uh, going on. We took a little bit of a hiatus, some personnel changed, and I'm proud to welcome Austin Bechtold. Uh, You may have heard him on some of our shows before, uh, but now he's joining me as my co-host. Don't worry, uh, Nathan has not gone away completely. He's just... uh, pursuing a couple other things in his life so he'll be back on as a guest here and there but Austin is with me as my co-pilot glad to have him along Austin great to have you thanks for joining us yeah Jake it's uh, good to be with you really excited for it and ready to go ready to talk pirates and I mean after how the off after all after how the season came to an end there really are some things that away as positives better than previous years especially Maybe the first positive outlook you could have on an offseason since 2018, the last time this team was over 500. So excited to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, for the first time in how many years, uh, we didn't have, um, we did not have a 100 loss season for the Pirates. Um, in fact, they actually had a 14 win improvement, and they're sitting pretty to sort of break out next year. Um, I'm pulling up the record now, but overall, it just seems like they have been in a much stronger situation than they were last few seasons, which is odd, which is odd for me because it seems like the team uh, with a 76 and 86 record, it just seemed like they didn't really improve personnel-wise. I mean, they did start the year, but then they traded a lot of their key assets. But you know, it was that youth movement we were sort of uh, really hoping for that kind of helped escalate things a little bit. Uh, some of the rookies we brought up. Didn't really pan out that we, the way we would have hoped. But again, it's a transition to the MLB. Um, some things haven't really, I guess, worked out so much for all of these rookies. Henry Davis especially cooled off after a hot first week. Um, but I'm going to hand the mic over to you. What are some of your big takeaways from the Pirates this season? Can be good and or bad. Well, Jake, this was a completely different team in the second half of the season than in the first half. The 20-8 and eight team... The guys who were around at that time, Carlos Santana, Connor Joe contributed down the stretch, played a lot of first base, but so much of Vince Velasquez's success and the limited time that we saw uh, Choi at first base or whatever it might be, Rich Hill, Austin Hedges, some of those guys who were you know a part of that 20-8 and team were gone in the second half of the season. Velasquez was hurt, gone were Rich Hill and Austin Hedges to the point where nobody could have predicted Austin Hedges the way that he's on Adeline Buck's return, 
9-0 in the Cincinnati Reds game. I remember it clear as day. I was at a wedding that day. And I was following it on my phone. 9-0. I'm not going to pay much attention to it anymore. And they just kept chipping away. Chip, chip, chip away. And that's kind of what this team did down the stretch. They played 500 baseball from August on. Ever since they called up Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis got healthier than he was for a majority of the season when he came to Pittsburgh. And, you know, there were some things that went wrong. Quinn Priester wasn't good. Andy Rodriguez couldn't hit for a majority of the time. Overall, though, there were a lot of things that you got to take away from this team and say, hey, Leover Peguero could be a middle infielder of the future. Probably not at shortstop because that's where you would target O'Neill Cruz to be for a large majority of the time and hope to try to extend him at some point. But Peguero did some good things. Nick Gonzalez, for a couple weeks stretch, did some good things as well. Went back down to AAA and significantly raised his average. Did not get to see it again in the major leagues. What he's done, Henry Davis in right field is a whole other experiment that who knows how that's going to play out. But the emergence and the continued development of Mitch Keller, David Bednar is the best closer in the National League, maybe the best in all of baseball. There's some things that you really got to look at and say, okay, compared to opening day at the start of this year and where the season ended, you have to feel better just overall about the spot that the Pirates are in because there were a lot of question marks. And this is the group, the group that they ended the season with, final two months being over 500 at least playing 500 baseball and ending eight games fewer wins than what the Diamondbacks had, who are now playing in the World Series and have a legitimate shot to win it. These are the guys. Davis will be here. Cruz will be healthy. Paul Skeen's in mid-May, maybe beginning of June will be here. There's some exciting things to look at. They're not done adding players. I know they have their flaws. Ben Sherrington, this is the time. Stand up. Prove that you are truly willing to add to this team. I have my questions about Derek Shelton, but overall, a successful campaign where you win 14 more games of the year before, pretty solid from the Pirates' perspective. Yeah, and I will say, I think the the biggest improvement to me is how they rebounded from the drastic month of May where they sort of flip-flopped from what they did in April. I mean, they they took a little bit of time to sort of trudge through the rest of the season, but it seemed like after the trade deadline, they didn't just give up and completely punt on the rest of the year. They wanted to assert, assert themselves as an upcoming force and they have been you know put on radars for several other people of fandoms I should say around the MLB so people know that the Pirates can't be good Um, and I think we got we saw a little bit of that last season especially toward the tail end of it where you know something that we all expected at least most of us as Pirates fans and that is the young bucks are going to lead the way Um, but I will say I think a lot of people have taken a step forward for the Pirates this season um, and and a, a few people who I didn't think were going to really make an impact sort of did. Now, I don't know whether they were going to be like one-off heroes, and the biggest example to me, he didn't have mind-boggling numbers in terms of like 300 average, slugging 500, but Josh Palacios, I mean, he had his, his moments of fame throughout the season, and I mean, just the pure passion he has, all the walk-offs he made, all the drama he had, I mean, he's a real. Te- he was a real team player this year, and I mean, he took a step up in every statistical category uh, over the past couple of seasons. And I really think he was just one of those players that just needed a chance. And another guy who I think improved. Um, and I remember Nathan and I always talked about him. I kind of gave him a lot of flack. That's Jack Sawinski. It seemed like he made a couple of adjustments at the plate. He wasn't great by any means. You know, he didn't go from striking out all the time to never striking out. He's still high up there, but. 
It seemed like he put more balls in play just from the pure eye test. It seems like his power is still there. I mean, leading the team in home runs with 26 as a young center fielder who really nobody thought coming into the season would have much of an impact down the road, let alone when they acquired him. I think uh, he's taken a big step forward. I want to get your thoughts on Sawinski because I feel like he's a big wild card going into the next couple of seasons. You know, where do you put him? Do the Pirates try to maybe get some better names and keep him as a bench bat? What's your impression of Jack Sawinski? What do you think his role is going to be moving forward? Well, I don't know how much... You know, you would think that, oh, maybe Sawinski doesn't have that much role of a team, on the team because he was your starting center fielder coming into this year. The praise that the organization, at least, puts around him kind of makes you think that they think that there's something in there that they could truly unlock. The power's there. We know that. Proved his batting average from 205, 206 to around the 220 mark. Still not a place where you want it to be. You want to see probably around 240, drive in 90, hit 30. Homers, I mean... I think that's definitely something for Jack Sawinski because he goes on these runs. He has these stretches. I don't think he's a fourth outfielder. If he is anybody, he is either a starting outfielder, I think more suited for a corner than in center, or he's a DH. And you'll take, I mean, look at Kyle Schwarber. It might not be the best example, but he hits over under 200. He hits ballpark 35, 36-ish home runs and drives in a solid amount of runs. I'm not trying to say that Jack Sawinski is Kyle Schwarber, but why not make Jack Sawinski a light version of Kyle Schwarber? I, I go so back and forth on Sawinski because he will have a month where he looks like the reincarnation of Barry Bonds, and the next month he'll look like Jose Tabata. It, it just drives overall from him. He can just smooth out the walls in his game. And it's a lot of talk, and it needs to be action. Will it be This is probably the make or break year to determine if it will. Because, yeah, he took some steps. He looked better. He was better than the year before. He was a little bit more consistent than the year before. But the swing and miss has got to be limited. It's got to be better. And defensively, I thought he was okay in center. I don't think he was great. He was not definitely not the type of defensive center fielder that... I mean, think about it. They put Jiwon Bay out there at times defensively in the 8th and ninth inning when he was healthy to play defensively. So, overall on Sawinski, I think he's a solid contributor. I'd like to see him bat 5th or 6th in the lineup, maybe not 2 or 3. They've put him at times at the very top of the order. I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing that you can could flush him off the roster or anything. I want to see more. I want to see him play consistently. If he can't, then maybe that's somewhere where you ship him off. But he's the he led the team in home runs. He's again going to lead the team in home runs this year unless O'Neill Cruz goes ballistic. Both of those guys have 30 home run potential. Cruz could pass him. Cruz probably will pass him. I'll take that back and say Sawinski will be the second guy to lead the team. If he's healthy. Yeah, I think where I stand with Sawinski is, you know... It's, it's tricky for me because I always think he's, like you, you know, he has one hot month and then the next month he he kind of cools off. And I think his defense sort of gets called into question just because of his arm strength alone. I mean, he's got the speed to have enough range. He can make some pretty good plays. I mean, we've seen that multiple times. I just think when it comes to crunch time situations, runner on third, you need a strong throw to get somebody at home plate, you know, to keep the game either tied or keep the Pirates out in front. You know, I think 
they would rather have somebody like, say, Brian Reynolds or Jiwon Bay, who might not be the greatest defensively in the world, but he does have a little bit of a stronger arm, maybe a little bit more accurate. I don't want to make too many assumptions on that, but yeah, I mean, I just I think that's his really his only flaw, plus the strikeout rates on offense. I mean, if he can bump those up, and that is something he can work on. I mean, he showed improvement this season, so it shows that he is trying to improve his numbers, trying to improve. And going back to your point about him getting put toward the top of the order, I see that as a move because he can watch, you know, he can take at-bats deep into counts. And I feel like that was one of the things I prioritized coming into the season is, you know, hey, we got to go up there. We got to make these guys throw it in the zone. We have a solid core to do that. Carlos Santana was probably the best example of that mindset getting put into action. And I think they brought him in to maybe sort of rub off on Jack Sawinski a little bit to get his numbers up and try to get him looking at more pitches in the zone. Um, like you, I think he could be second on the home run, uh, second on the team in home runs. I think he's got the power. He's got 30 home run potential. Um, but he just really has to buckle down this offseason. This, is this I think, is going to be the true test of Sawinski. He's had a couple of years to get acclimated to the league. Now he's had a couple of off-seasons to sort of prepare and watch tape and see what the league brings to him and how he can sort of improve that. Um, I think 2024 is going to be probably the, the do-or-die season for Sawinski. Maybe they'll carry over into 2025 if things get a little bit better, but I think this is going to be the big test for him. Now, this is going to be a big offseason for the Pirates. And you alluded to it already, Austin. Uh, General Manager Charrington already basically said the Pirates are going to do whatever they can to add different pieces to the team. I'm not going to specify they're willing to spend money, they're willing to trade players. I mean, he's already come out, well, there's reports coming out saying that the team is willing to move on from some pretty top-tier prospects. No names were mentioned, uh, but it looks like they're willing to package a couple decent prospects in order to bring in a pretty big name. Um, uh, one one name that I've seen around Pirates Twitter that I think people really want in is Vlad Guerrero Jr. Had a bit of a down year in Toronto this year. Um, maybe buy low on him, bring him in. Um, but I want to get your thoughts on this. It seems like the first base market this year is just pretty thin when it comes to free agents. What do you think the Pirates are going to do? Are they going to bring in somebody via trade or on the free agency list? Yeah, I don't think that there's, I don't know if there's any report out there that says that the Blue Jays are willing to ship off Lagerero Jr. or that they want to make a move off him or that he wants out of Toronto. It just would not make much sense to me from a Toronto perspective that they would be willing to trade him. And what are the Pirates really willing to give up in terms of young player-wise? Nick Gonzalez? Is a Nick Gonzalez and a couple other prospects going to be good enough for Toronto to want to trade Vladdy away? He had one down year. Okay, it happens. It's baseball. You're, you fail seven times out of ten when you go up to the plate. If you hit 300, it's considered good. You're going to fail. And I know he had a down year, partly why the Blue Jays did not have the success that they wanted to and go deep in the playoffs, make the playoffs, anything like that, and have a successful season. It's just baffling to me. It's kind of like when Reese Hoskins' name's thrown out there. I don't think it's a realistic possibility that either of those guys could become Pirates. More like Carlos Santana. Or there's a couple other names that are out there. Maybe you move Jared Triolo over to first. I don't know. First base has to be the number one priority, though. First base and starting pitching, maybe 1A, 1B. Because, yeah, Mitch Keller, Johan Oviedo is a 3, a 4 on a really good team. And who else? I mean, Paul Skeens ain't going to be here until May-ish. So that's a position where maybe starting pitcher is a strength by the time you get to the deadline. 
of next year. But no, Vlad Guerrero, I, I don't know why this is being used as a hypothetical or something that can truly happen. I mean, Jake, fill me in. Am I missing something? Like, why is this something that seems realistic to people? I don't think you're missing here, but I was going to say, I don't think you're missing anything. I think it's just this. I think it's just Pirates fans completing wishful thinking. And I I get that. You know, you want to start adding in as many people as possible um, regarding who we would give up for that. Well, first, let me backtrack. There were no official reports saying this. I've just been scouring the Twitterverse. And Pirates fans have been clamoring for him, I guess, is the is the word you could use. Um, but I, something tells me that if you want to trade for Vlad Guerrero Jr., I feel like it starts with a prospect like Termar Johnson. You need somebody with a really high ceiling. But I don't think the Pirates are willing to part with him, and I wouldn't either. Um, but, yeah, I don't think there's – you're not missing anything, I'll say that. It's just a pipe dream. It's something that just is not realistic. I, I, I don't know. It just does not – I would be stunned flabbergasted if a trade like that actually happened. I'd be more inclined to think that a Reese Hoskins deal would happen, but why would Philadelphia make that move when they were just really, what, one game away from the World Series? Maybe a couple pitches away from the World Series? Maybe, but I will say this with Vlad Guerrero. I could see them parting with him, the the Blue Jays parting with Vladdy, all because of their, I would say, success or lack thereof in the postseason over the past couple of years. This year and last year, they lost in the wild card. They missed the playoffs in 2021. They lost the wild card in 2020. They had a three-year drought, and then they lost in the ALCS back in 2016-2015. The Blue Jays just aren't getting to where they want with the team that they've assembled. And I know it's going to be really outlandish to say, but it's true. You know, They're not taking that step forward. They always seem to just stall out. And, you know, no matter whether they're buyers or sellers at the deadline, they're always just sort of flat-footed. So I could see maybe why fans would think Toronto would be more willing to give up to Vlad Guerrero Jr. Because I agree with you, Reese Hoskins is going nowhere. I'm the, I'll am the be the first person to tell you that when free agency hits, he will be one of the first names that is re-signed to his team. Vlad Guerrero, there can be, I guess, points made, but at the same time, the asking price for him, I think, is just too steep for the Pirates to consider. Yeah, and I mean, Reese Hoskins dealt with some injuries, and he would be a free agent pickup that you could look at, you know, dealt with a knee, was out for really a considerable amount of time. Did he play it all this year? Hoskins, I think he may have played a couple of games, but I, I'm not 100% sure, certain. certain. He did not. Baseball reference, our great friend, providing that Reese Hoskins did not have a, a game played in 2023. And he will be a free agent when free agency opens up here in a couple of weeks. Okay. Well, I don't. I still don't think that the Phillies would be willing to part ways with him. I think they'd still be willing to give him another shot. But all in all, he's off the table in my book. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they re-sign him and move Harper back to the outfield once he's healthy. Although, you know, just side note, I think Harper has done a pretty good job at first base just by watching him. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but, you know, Switching from an outfield role to first base, I think he's actually done the most with what he can. But I mean, we'll see. Just wanted to um, just wanted to talk about that a little bit. I mean, obviously, we still have a long way to go this off season. Free agency is nowhere near us. We still have the World Series to get over. Um, so we'll see what the Pirates do, and we'll talk more about it in the coming weeks here as we get back into the flow of things with Talk the Plank. Austin, is there anything else for the good for the better good that you have to say before we sign off here? Here on Talk the Plank. 
Yeah, I'm excited for just, you know, you and I to have some good conversations here about Pirates baseball. There's should be a lot of optimism going into this offseason. Pirate Fest is back. That's fun. That's exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. And just just overall, the, the what type of engagement that the Pirates have right now compared to previous years and what people should be looking forward to in this upcoming year, I think is higher than it's been since eh, maybe 2016. I mean, truly, was it a mirage in 2018 where they went into 2019, really didn't add anybody, 2020 was what it was, and then this team bottomed out two first overall picks in the last three years? It feels like that this is truly the upswing that we haven't seen in 10 years. The 10-year anniversary of the wild card win against Cincinnati, the Cueto game, was this year. This feels like the first time, truly in a long time, that the Pirates have a real chance to compete and make the playoffs. I'm not saying that they're going to go on an Arizona Diamondbacks-like run and make it to the World Series next year, but hey, they won 84 games. Anything can happen once you get into October. They swept Milwaukee. They swept the rival L.A. Dodgers. And they went back to Philadelphia with Game 6 and Game 7, both elimination games, and took care of business with two top-of-the-rotation starting pitchers, Merrill Kelly, Zach Gallen, Mitch Keller, Paul Skeens, question mark, a couple of stars in their infield, Christian Walker, Cattell Marte, Key Brian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz, and a really good outfielder in Corbin Carroll, Brian Reynolds. I mean, there's some comparisons Again, not trying to say the Pirates are going to be in the World Series next year, but Arizona got hot at the right time. They're not truly as good roster-wise as the Dodgers or Philadelphia or even Texas, but they're putting up a hell of a fight right now, and I think it's great to see. And people are saying, oh, is this a good thing for the Pirates? Does this convince Bob Nutty not to spend money? I don't think it does that. But I think it does create a little bit of a springboard where, hey, if you build it, good things can happen once you get to October. You just got to get there, and the Pirates who were typically built for series, like the 2015 team was not built for a one-game wild card, or the 2014 team, where if they want to get out of that wild card, had a great chance to go far in the playoffs. So there's a lot to talk about there, and you know I went on a little bit of a tangent, but there's some exciting things to look at. Definitely, and I mean, tangent's totally fine, especially when we're this early into the offseason, because it just means that this is all stuff that we're going to talk about. There is a bright future for the Pirates, at least in the short term. We all see it. I don't necessarily think Bob Nutting's going to empty his pocket. I don't think he was visited by the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. But hey, you never know. Maybe Ben Charrington convince him of, can convince him of something. Maybe this Diamondback Cinderella run will sort of motivate him to spend a little bit. Um, but we'll see. You know, it's going to be a long off season. You mentioned Pirates Fest is back. I'm sure once that draws near, we'll talk about that. And we'll, we might bring somebody on and talk about their experience with it. So yeah, long off season ahead, and we are going to be here to cover it. Here on Talk the Plank. Austin, you want to give the listening audience your Twitter handle, or X handle, I should say. Yeah, Twitter X, uh, at Austin R. Bechtold, B-E-C-H-T-O-L-D. We uh, engage a lot, Dick, you and I, about Pirates baseball, other things on the good old-fashioned X. And, you know, just love talking Pirates baseball people on there. So, anybody wants to reach out, say anything, be my guest. It'd be great to talk. Without a doubt, go follow Austin. Go follow me at underscore Radio Jake. You can give us a like and follow today. As always, be sure to follow Bucks Dugout. And, hey, be sure to follow our X account at Talk the Plank Pod. All one word. It's a Talk the Plank FFSN uh, header. 
You'll see it. Give us a like and follow. We're going to post every episode there. We'll also be posting them on Bucks Dugout. It's going to be a fun off season. Can't wait to get into the nitty gritty of it. But first, we got to get through this World Series, and uh, hopefully, we have a pretty dramatic ending here in a couple of days. But I want to thank Austin. Great first show. We got a lot of great content coming out on Talk the Plank. Uh, Haley Ryan is going to resume her minor league madness episode or episodes that uh, she was working on over the summer. Uh, obviously, with the fall, Austin knows this all too well. With football, high school football, it has just been a hornet's nest. So as that sort of settles down, we're going to get back into the groove of things, get more episodes out. Haley's got her minor league madness. Connor Williams is going to be doing uh, more future interview type of episodes. Uh, he's already got one big one lined up. I won't go into details, but uh, that's all going to be for you to find out when and it, when and, uh, you subscribe to talk the plank on any podcast platform and follow us on X. Again, thanks to Austin. Thanks to you for te- for tuning in. It's going to be a fun off season. Can't wait to talk about it. For all of us, my name is Jake Slobodnik here. Thanks for listening to Talk the Plank.